Guys, welcome to the show today with my good friend, Justin Ardry. Justin is one of my greatest friends, a person that has shown me tremendous uh, forgiveness and grace during my life, during my winter faith journey. And I think it is very, very safe to say the Winter Faith Podcast and my own faith would not be what it is today without Justin Ardry in my life. So I am grateful to release this episode. I'm also going to be releasing a lecture that he gave a few years back on Friday called The Borderlands of Belief. So this is my interview with Justin Ardry. Let's get into it. And I hope you enjoy this week's episode. And on Friday, you can hear Justin again. All right. Thanks. Let's get into it with Justin Ardry. We live in a divided world, divided religiously, politically, and economically. Oftentimes in our world, we want to run away from tough conversations that divide us about grief, pain, and loss. We want to avoid topics like shame, guilt, and pride. We'd rather escape to our phones instead of engaging in real conversations. I know this because I do this. So I created the Winter Faith Podcast. The Winter Faith Podcast is focused on creating conversations to promote spiritual and emotional growth through faith, apathy, and everything in between. So let's talk to each other. Yet more importantly, let's listen to each other. Let's continue the conversation. My name is Andy, and I have Winter Faith. experience for a lot of people. Um, uh, Family-wise, it's been difficult. Uh, I, I, I feel like if I'm being honest, as a dad, a lot of the really heavy part of the, of the pandemic, which was for me about May, when we all realized that this wasn't really going anywhere and we were going to kind of right. dig in, um, you know, you feel you're trying to do, you're trying to be a dad, trying to be a husband. I've got a two-year-old. And so um, I felt like on one front, I was failing on that front. And then I was trying to do work stuff and I was not doing that as well as I probably could have been doing. And so I just, it was, I was wrestling a lot with um, either being a good dad or a good minister. And so, um, but I think as time has gone on, um, I've been able to put better boundaries and stuff in place. And so it's been better for our family. So I actually don't know this. Did you take any time off from work or you've been going the whole time? Cause that's a lot of stuff. If you're talking about, yeah, you know, the whole church, uh, you know, like Sunday morning stuff, but then also, you know, children's ministry and youth ministry, like it's a pretty active church with a lot of different parts. Whereas, you know, some churches are very simple. It's like, Mm-hmm. Sunday morning, it's going to be on Facebook. Yeah, that's it. You know, you have way more stuff. So did, have you taken any break from work? Um, I took uh, like a week uh, or part of a week off uh, in the summer. And then 
I've taken a few days here and there. Uh, we've had a lot of crazy stuff going on recently and uh, uh, buying and selling uh, a house. And so uh, that's been that's been part of it. Yeah, that so, is a lot. Um, but yeah, so we it was and and I'll, I'll be clear, the the youth and the, the children's uh, ministries, they, they were up and running quick. I think it was just, uh, you know, trying to help. Uh, troubleshoot, but they were able to run with it. We've got a pretty young staff um, uh, compared to probably a lot of other churches, especially churches in our uh, brotherhood. So um, they were able to, yeah. I hate to use the word pivot because I, I feel it's the most overused word in 2020, but they were able to to pivot pretty quickly. And um, uh, so that's been that's been helpful for them. Well, so you've touched on it a little bit, but so our, you know, where we both grew up was within the Church of Christ circles. This is mostly like Church of Christ listeners-ish, kind of, maybe. I'm not sure exactly. They should have that like on Spotify, like male, female, denomination, (laughs) where you live. Um, But so what has, um, have you kept up with like other, like maybe like I've kept up a little bit more with my church where I grew up in Wisconsin to see like, hey, what are they doing during this time? Have you, you know, I've kind of sat in on like three, four different church services on a Sunday. Have you, is there anything like that for you where you're I'm, looking at other churches? I'm constantly retooling. So I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm always uh, watching broadcasts, especially with, uh, within our movement. I, I try to see um, who are the ones that are doing it well and what are some of the ways that we could tweak um, our, our services, uh, our, our broadcasts, our, um, you know, Instagram game, what, whatever it ends up being out there. I'm, I'm a part of um, a cohort of um, communication church specialists from around, um, around the U.S. and so I'm always listening on what they have to say. Uh, most of those that have anything that I would say would be helpful are, are outside of our movement. Um, yeah, I, I believe by, that. By and large, if you were to group, lump us all in one group, I'd say we're usually about 15 years behind. Yeah. Uh, like <laughs> it, it t- technologically. Yeah, so, uh, that sounds about right. So, but it's, it's, uh, it's been good. We actually saw a huge bump in services the first, um, the first few weeks. And I think it was a combination of a lot of people that aren't Christians just kind of looking for answers in the middle of a pandemic, which I thought was really fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing was, um, uh, man, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> so the like more people were checking out church. Oh, yeah yeah and 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 the sorry that's right and the fact that there were several um there, there were lots of, of churches of christ in particular that didn't have any live stream right like those first few weeks they didn't even have like facebook like anything mm-hmm. so right. um we had a lot of people tune in and then all of a sudden we went from having, I'd say probably a, a few hundred people per Sunday watching on a regular basis to um, like 15,000. 
So like our numbers jumped wow. and then of course everything sort of dipped down a little bit as everybody started watching their own stuff. But mm-hmm. for several weeks, I think it was just uh, a combination of people being interested and in trying to find out answers. And then a lot of church of Christ circles that weren't up in technology that were starting to try to try to find something of, of edification. So. So for you, like going back to like the dad husband side of the pandemic, what is what has that experience been like? Like, are you guys at, I mean, for us, we're at home a lot more. Um, So how was the kind of, did you guys have a stay at home order and stuff like that in Tennessee? We, uh, we did for a while. I feel like our numbers are actually worse than when we were actually quarantined, uh, which is kind of wild, but um, yeah, it, we stayed at home a lot more of course during the summer um uh, charlie's uh, my wife is a teacher and so she is um you know she's at home during the summer with with rosalind and so we were at home a lot anyway um and then they were able to transition into going back to school uh so uh charlie now is doing online again like they, they were in person and they came back to doing online again and then Rosalind's been able to go. Her childcare uh, situation has been pretty great, but we've all been at home and around each other a lot more, um, trying to work, and it's really difficult. Like it's, it's constant distraction. And um, I, I mean, it's I basically I was staying up all night to finish uh, videos so that I could send them out for broadcasting for you know people that were that were needing that. And so, um, I, I had to back off a little bit. I had to create some better boundaries and, you know, I, I was seeing the effect of that on my wife and on my kid. Uh, so that, that, that has actually probably, it, it was bad for a while, uh, during the height of the pandemic, uh, or at least the height of the, the, um, chaos of the pandemic. And then I think it would it caused me to kind of sit back and and um, do a better job of being a dad and, and realizing that um, that they are my first ministry. This isn't my first ministry. As right. much as I love it. Well, I I was going I was thinking about this. So I knew we were going to be talking to you today. That um, my I want to say it was maybe my first or second day in Memphis. I went to. Um, the Soma Campus Ministry, which was meeting at um, White Station, um, Church of Christ, uh, Church of Christ at White Station, um, the the little chapel there. Yeah. And I was there, and um, I got a ride with somebody, and like literally at that point, at that point in my life, like I was so like isolated and new. I was like talking to everyone. Like I talked to a bunch of people that night, just mm-hmm. to just to try to get to know people and you were probably like maybe rusty woods and you like the first two people that like i feel like i had like a conversation with that was meaningful i have no idea what we said but just like a meaningful conversation and made me feel like okay like i can do this i can live in a new city where i pretty much know zero people right um so i was thinking about that moment and like where our friendship has um, gone and everything and how often 
we have connected with the idea of like my whole podcast format of winter faith, like times when you're just like questioning faith. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times we can pair each other's stories where we're like my faith. Wow. This person has gone through that. This person has gone through this and I I've only dealt with this, um, you know, fill in the blank. We always compare each other for, um, like who's had the harder faith or who has the better testimony, like just these weird things we've done with our stories in, in church culture. Um, So I was just curious if you would maybe share one or two like moments or maybe a whole season of a period of like winter faith for you. And I know things that you've gone through, but I want you to just say whatever you, you want to say. Yeah, I've had several. Um, I think I first, I think it's, I probably just need to say that I've, I've always wrestled with faith. Um, that's, that's been a constant struggle ever since I was a, really a child. So that's not, it wasn't something like somehow came magically on me in adolescence. Like I, I had serious questions and some of my, actually some of my first memories of faith were questions um and so uh i have existed uh at least from my uh junior high uh on uh, on a steady diet of apologetics um and i've constantly had questions i think uh one of my first questions i remember as a kid was you know why would god create a tree in the garden of eden if he knew that man was going to sin like i remember as a child thinking about that and I, I had so many questions as a kid that like my Bible teachers probably like hated me. Cause like I'd, I'd have like a curve, they'd, they'd have the little flannel graph stuff set up and I'd ask some big question that was like on my mind and on my heart. And it just, it probably threw them off. And, and uh, so I kind of buried that uh, throughout my life. Um, and so that would come back up in moments of, either there was like an event that was painful to go through or something uh, else that uh, was just kind of a, a rough patch or a rough situation. Sometimes it, it really wasn't anything. It was just kind of um, my faith was in the ditch and I don't really know how it got there. Uh, I think that, that was almost more of the regular thing than, uh, than anything else. Um, but yeah, I've gone through, I've had, you know, relationships that, that didn't work out where we were, um, getting ready to be married in a, in a few days and, and, you know, things go south. Um, I've had, uh, my, my father, uh, passed away, uh, unexpectedly. And when I was in college, um, I had, uh, a few years of having several, uh, friends and close relatives uh, passed away. That was probably one of the more darker periods um, that really challenged me to um, go a little deeper in my faith, kind of redo the paradigm of, of faith and theology. And um, uh, so that, you know, I think those things uh, were, if I'm going to try to identify moments, those were probably some of the darker ones. But uh, ironically, uh, I did feel God working even in the midst of some of those really tough situations. So 
when I look back on them, some of them are easier than even the more mundane things because I don't know how I got in the ditch. And somehow I guess I just kind of got it back on track again for a little while. But uh, but definitely like dealing with some of the more hurtful things in, in, in life, um, I did feel like, I, I think I felt a deeper sense of God's presence and a deeper sense of the Holy Spirit um, in those times. Um, so when you think about like those moments, like, you know, losing your dad when you're in college, when you think about that, like, was, do you remember like what you like felt during that? Like, is it, are you able to tap into that period? Yeah. Uh, usually anger. Uh, I've got real angry I, and, and, and not wanting anybody to be near me or talk to me. Yeah. So, um, I have to process, I'm a, I'm a five on the Enneagram. Uh, I'm, uh, I constantly am trying to, uh, put new knowledge in my head. I understand the world more through information, not by feelings. And so, um, I kind of have to get my brain there by myself. Uh, so I remember I was in, uh, um, I was getting Chick-fil-A in the, in the, uh, student center. And wow. I had, a, uh, I had a friend from church that said, Hey, can you follow me? And he took me upstairs to where the, the room was that, uh, I used to have to go to when I skipped too much chapel. And I was like, ah, I know that room. <laughs> they got me. And so I walked the stairs of shame with, with this guy. And then I mm -hmm. go in the room and, it's a couple of people. There's like a, a phone in the middle of the room and they tell you to go talk, talk to it. And it, it's almost like the bat phone or something in the middle of a room. It makes no sense. And then, and there were a couple of people that I knew and, you know, I pick up the phone. I'm talking to my mom and she's in the hospital. She told me, you know, about, you know, my dad had passed. And uh, I remember being like, I don't want anybody near me right now. So I, I handed them the phone. People were trying to hug me. And I remember just like being like, just leave me alone. So I, I walked all the way. It was cold. It was uh, February. So it was, um, I think there was still ice on the ground or snow. And I remember walking all the way back to the um, bleachers uh, in the, uh, the football stadium area like hmm. back behind the bleachers that was the only place that i could think of that nobody else would be i didn't want to go to my room i didn't want to be around other people i didn't want to right. talk to my family and i remember just um like uh punching the bleachers until my hands bled and uh yeah. so in that moment i think i usually go to um i usually go to anger and then I have to stop and then I have to process because I, I, I've never been that great with feelings. So I, I like when I feel them intensely, I don't deal with them well. Um, and so that's, that's kind of, uh, I, that's what I've tried to be better at over time and trying to be, um, trying to learn how to deal with that in a, in a better way. But yeah, in those intense grief moments, I think anger is usually where I start and then I am able to wrap my I have to, 
I have to wrap my brain around it and then my emotions will follow. Um, but that's kind of the way I do you. So you are angry, you know, I mean, whatever you're feeling is sure. completely appropriate at, in that moment. I mean, are you, you know, like you've mentioned, like your faith being in a ditch, is that like, what does that mean? What does that mean for you? Like faith is in a ditch. Um, where it doesn't, it doesn't seem real. Like it, it seems imaginary. Uh, like it, like, uh, you know, where you're, I'm always questioning, but if I'm on that constant diet of apologetics or I have to almost kind of like give myself a shot on a regular basis to keep up kind of my faith. It's always been that way. Um, and so when I don't do that, uh, or when I kind of relax on those disciplines, then slowly but surely I kind of get into that state where, you know, uh, I, it's, it's harder for me to, to, um, to, to believe if I'm perfectly honest. Yeah. So it's more, um, you know, cause I like, uh, get into it a little bit, but like, is it more of like believing that there's good in the world, believing that there's God, believing that like Jesus was the Messiah? Are there pr particular things or is it just like, well, I'll just let you go. Like, sure. Yeah. Mine is, mine is what I would call intellectual doubt. It's, um, doubt that's concerned with the evidence of Christianity. It's mostly interested in um, issues related to the truthfulness of uh, faith and philosophical um, points or interests or historical things that you can poke holes in, that, that mm -hmm. sort of thing. So it, it's, it's not what I would call, like there are, there are three kind of areas of doubt, what I would call, when I, when I talk to people about uh, faith and doubt, because I'm, I, I still consider myself a believer, uh, even though I have doubt. I just think everybody else does too. They just don't talk about it. I agree. So there, yeah. I, I would say there are basically, um, uh, McLaren does a really great job in one of his books about kind of identifying these three types of doubt. The, the first one is intellectual. And it's kind of what I describe more of like the 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 doubt that's cons that's more evidence based and trying to wrap your your brain and your mind around it. Um, the other one is emotional doubt, and that is doubt that can stem from your passion or your mood, and it can it's usually subjective. And so, a lot of people will say, "Well, I have doubts that I believe Jesus exists," and then when you ask them why, they say, "Well, because Christians hurt me." or they say mean things. Yeah. Well, those two aren't the same. And that's what I would call emotional doubt. But emotional right. doubt can masquerade as intellectual doubt. So it's, it's really good, especially if you have someone that is wrestling with faith, that you ask them the question of, like, start talking to them, try to get some answers. Because a lot of times it may not be that, that it's their actual questions or their intellectual doubt. It can be emotional doubt, and they're, it's just they've had a bad experience with faith. They've had um, people that have been jerks. They've seen people carrying signs with uh, ugly things outside of, of um, you know, disenfranchised groups in, in America, and they think, well, how can that be? And their doubt is more emotional than intellectual. 
The third one is volitional doubt, and that is doubt that has festered and turned to apathy. So after a while, that doubt will go from, um, it, whether it's intellectual or emotional, it will turn into just plain old apathy and loss of motivation. And it's basically where people are kind of unwilling to go back and pursue faith. They're just, they throw, they throw the baby out with the bathwater. And that's definitely not where I am. Um, I'm not going to say that I haven't had moments in my life where I have felt that way, but I have always still clung to faith regardless of um, whether it always makes sense uh, in my brain. And so another one of those things for me personally, as a five, I interpret everything um, through my brain and through my thinking and through an intellectual lens. That's not to say I'm somehow smarter than anybody else because I, I would never say that um, and I don't believe that um, but uh, I do think like that's part of my lens like I look through everything from I have to study it I have to read about it I have to dissect it and I do that to everything in my life so faith is just another one of those things that I happen to do it too so when people are like oh my gosh that sounds like you're just on the edge it's like no that's kind of how that's just kind of how I am. That's kind of how, <laughs> that's kind of how my head works. People say you're on, on, on the edge of faith. Like somehow, like somehow I, I, you know, that, that, that sounds crazy. And I'm like, it's probably not much crazier than anything that you experience. I just think that a lot of times we're not honest. Um, yeah. Cause I would say, you know, I've never really had moments where I was like, I've ever doubted like, your character or what you would do or how you treat people or like your discipline or faithfulness maybe is a more church church word <laughs> you're very you know faithful towards church and and people which I feel you know so it's, yeah the intellectual stuff I like how you broke that down but that makes a lot of sense I think so many people like I definitely think I went through periods of like apathy yeah. And mine has been much more of like the emotional. So I guess when I, when I think about, yeah, the intellectual stuff, like doesn't bother me. Like I studied kind of the, like the text and, yeah. and read some authors that are like, oh, there's problems with Luke's sense of direction when he wrote right. this. And I'm like, ah, that's fine. I get lost all the time. Like it's, <laughs> <laughs> But the emotional stuff always, yeah. I, I feel like people go towards that a lot more. Mm -hmm. Well, and plus you've been, you've been a seminary student and like statistics are pretty high that a lot of, I mean, it's unfortunate, but a lot of seminary students lose their faith because they're so close to um, like, they're having to, to read the text with um, such a big amount of scrut constant scrutiny in trying to understand and dissect and and um, so I, I just think I, it's it's so much more intense than a than probably the normal person that occasionally reads their Bible um, and so I, I do think that can be um, one of those things that I've got well, a lot of seminary friends too that have struggled yeah yeah I mean you we both know plenty of people that you know went to Bible school and seminary and um, all different sorts of places where you know churches that are very very intellectual 
Um, sure. And so, like, I remember talking to a friend who was going through a huge crisis because our teacher said that he didn't think Moses wrote Leviticus, you know, and this was just a huge thing. And I don't make light of that at all. Like, it was a huge thing for him and where he grew up and how he was raised that that was a big thing. Like, that questioned everything. Um, so, yeah, it's just really interesting people's faith journeys and like what what do you feel like you've learned about um I think it's related to this but just the idea of like how to you know how to deal with grief or how to deal with overcoming whatever you're feeling in in terms of faith but just in in other ways in your life too sure well um I when my dad passed away um I had a professor and um he basically said, just take the rest of the semester off and I want you to read a few books. I want you to constantly journal and I want you to kind of write about your experience. And so uh, I did that. It was very helpful. I don't always do that, but in that season of my life, it was really helpful for me to, to, to read and, and study. And really as a five that I can't think of a better thing that would have helped me grieve. It wouldn't have been to, you know, sit at home and watch Lifetime movies, it would have, it would have been to dive deeper and, um, and write about it. And that's exactly what I was able to do. Um, reorganizing, kind of, I mentioned this before, but kind of reorganizing my paradigm, uh, my theological paradigm was very important. Um, you know, when you say something like, um, you know, Everything, everything happens for a reason. Everything happens for a reason. Everything yeah. happens for a right. reason. Then my, you know, if we're if we're gonna carry that out to the nth degree, then God, then God killed my dad, and on and purpose, on yeah, purpose, purposely, right. And so you know, once you finally kind of go down the rabbit hole, you're like, oh, okay, well I. I'm still going to believe in God and I believe God to be a good God, then there must be something more. Um, and so that's, uh, I think one of the books I know you and I both read, um, uh, a lot of Terrence, uh, Dr. Terrence Fretheim, mm -hmm. uh, the uh, suffering of God specifically was a great book that kind of opens you up into understanding a lot of that. And, and I probably came a lot closer to being um, an open like a little bit more of an open theist um, mm -hmm. uh, direction uh, after all that, but it allowed me to understand suffering and then kind of afterwards, not really get bogged down mm -hmm. by it. I know that sounds weird, but like, well, I don't think somebody, so, but yeah, somebody, somebody's kid um, got hit by a drunk driver. I mourn with them. I grieve with them, but I understand how God, like, I understand how that, works you know you're giving free will to people or and they can make good decisions or they can make bad decisions god loves you so much that he gives you the ultimate thing which is to choose to love him or to choose to do something that's bad so that's why bad things happen and like for me once i was able to do that and kind of understand that a little bit better um that whole problem of pain and problem of suffering i, I think for me, I was able to get to a place where I could make peace with it. And so it's not that I am not still angered when things happen or when people do dumb things uh, or immoral things, 
um, but I can understand how it happens. And I know that it grieves the heart of God just as much, if not more. So, yeah, I mean, we're, we're on the same page with that. It, it is, I guess, I mean, I guess it's just hard for me. It's like comforting to know that God's grieving with me. Yeah. But for some people it's like, no, I want God to like solve problems. It's like when, um, you know, in marriages where it's like um, one spouse might say to the other, like, hey, I'm going to I'm going to tell you something. The other person starts trying to solve it right away. Oh, and it's good. like, yeah, me too. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> it's like, no, nope, that's not. Nope. Not <laughs> and, and it's just one of those things like, you know, you're just supposed to like be with, you know, and yeah. man, it's for me, it's comforting. But for a lot of people. I'll be curious about this, but what, you know, why is it people, people are not satisfied with that sometimes? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I can be one of those people. Uh, Sure. Yeah. I I can question so much that I, it's hard for me to kind of just be so, um, or try to find a way to get better. Like that's, I want to get better. Like that's my goal is to get better. Yeah. And so I do that by asking questions and have you tried this and have you done that? Right. Not always what people need. So, yeah, it is. I mean, do you, um, for your, you know, being a dad now to, I know you're a couple of years in, I'm, I mean, my path has been a little different, but as far as the, um, you know, I'm basically two years in as well. So we're kind of like right at the same timeline as that role. How is, I mean, has that caused you to think about like, you know, how do I pass on this faith? I just did an episode with my wife, like winter faith at home. Like, how can I tell my kid to question things? You know, I'm yeah. curious how, how often you think about that. I think about it quite a bit. Well, <laughs> she, I, I see her um, kind of doing similar things to me uh, or as I did when I was that age. So I, I, it is a little scary because I think I've not figured it out yet and I'm (laughs) in my late thirties and I've not figured that out yet. And so I I want to try to help her, uh, not just spend your entire life asking questions. Um, but, uh, I do want her to be curious. I think she is naturally curious as a dad. Um, I think. I mean, just having a lot of boundaries, allowing her to explore nature and wonder and some of those really Mm -hmm. basic things and not just tell her what to think. Um, Not that my family ever did that to me. They didn't just tell me all the time what to think. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, being able to explore and have your own questions and ask her what she thinks and what she feels. um, I mean, that's, that's probably the best I could do for now. Because uh, mm-hmm. I, I do, I think I still struggle with the. I'm seeing her struggle with some of the same things that I struggle with, and so I, I hope that she'll be better at it than I am. <laughs> well, I mean, but it seems like your um, family did pretty well as far as like allowing you to question things. Yeah, yeah, they did um, for sure, um, and I, I think that. There were probably some times where they they might have put down their foot, but they realized real quick that that was not going to work with me at all. 
um, it's just going to make me dig in deeper. Um, I do notice that that happens a lot in, in, in church now though, that you're not able to, not able to ask questions. Um, I think we're getting a tiny bit better about it. Um, but you know, most in most circles you can't talk about i mean it's so taboo to even talk about faith or or doubt or or anything like that in fact i remember so i was a kid i ended up going to a lectureship at harding and each each lectureship um they they always have a uh, an area for books where you can buy so and so's new book that they wrote and all the other 20 other books that they wrote just like it. And so you go and, and, and it, it doesn't matter whether, you know, it's, it's it, any, any Christian um, place that has, you know, that type of thing. So they have books. And I remember thinking, cause it's all mostly church of Christ authors. And I remember seeing a book and I have it right here. So I'm going to show you. Okay. Uh, it's called, uh, if I really believe, then why do I have these doubts by Lynn Anderson? Oh, Lynn Anderson. Yeah, yeah. So but this is a sleeper because everybody talks about um, all of his other books. They smell like... Yeah, they do. Kind of stuff. And this was one of his early books. And I remember seeing that and I had money that my parents gave me and, to go eat somewhere on campus. And I remember pocketing that money and buying that book, but I was too ashamed for anybody to see me. Wow. So I did it while they weren't there because I, I thought, oh my goodness, like I've never seen anybody else in our faith movement talk about wrestling with faith or doubt. I still yeah. probably know of maybe one or two other books where people have even, you know, kind of tried to approach that subject at all with any type of honesty. And he did. And I remember thinking like, I have, I don't know what I need for food, but I have to have this book. Uh, and so I hid it in my uh, like shirt or whatever. And I remember like reading it at home, like whenever I had the chance. And it was what got me through uh, a lot of my junior high, high school. Um, so I, I, it's interesting that, you know, we don't, we're still not honest and we still don't talk about it that much, but I, I think, you know, what are the, who are the other kids that are just like me that desperately need to hear somebody talk about wrestling with faith? Um, I don't want them to become faithless as a result of, you know, hearing somebody's testimony, but I, I think that they're old enough and they're mature enough to be able to handle that subject. Not everybody, but some people are. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I've heard you speak at, you know, at Sycamore View uh, at least one or two times about faith and doubt. Um, I don't know if any of those are recorded, um, but they're really good. And then I know you're still um, active with the campus ministry. Yeah. Do you Do you find that as a place, you know, especially in college, you know, where you get to to talk to students about your journey and you know even where you're at today yeah i i did feel myself sharing that a lot more before i had a child um i haven't had as <laughs> as much of an opportunity to walk uh sure, sure. students down that path as of as of late but uh but yeah i that's the reason why like i'm 
I, I could never do like young children's ministry. I can handle my own kid, but like in, in maybe even some high school stuff, but I was never the kid that like cracked fart jokes and, and had, like I was more kind of like reading a book in the corner. Like I was a little bit more nerdy. And so, um, you know, a lot of our kids that go into colleges, uh, they've never heard their churches talk about wrestling with doubt and faith. And then they're in environments where they do and they don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. And so I all the time have people reach out to me. The hard parts are the ones with parents that reach out to me to try to figure out how to connect with their kid or how to, mm. how to give their kid faith, um, which, you know, I can help with, but I can't, you can't make anybody right. do anything. So, um, but yeah. That's such a good thing. I know you've been like, I, you know, the, the story that I shared when the first time we met was at that campus ministry and yep. to think how many years you have been a part of that. That's, that's pretty cool. I mean, I think that's something to really, you know, be, be thankful for, because I think a lot of people don't get to stay plugged into, and I know you've been, you know, at Sigmar View for a little bit now, but you were there long before that too. Yeah. Um, that's such a neat thing. I guess involved with that ministry since 2006. Yeah. I mean, I can't, there's not too many things I'm involved in <laughs> since 2006. Yeah. other than myself yeah. <laughs> thanks for listening to the show today everybody i just want to give a few shout outs today's music the one and only josh cleveland today's artwork and all the winter faith artwork and digital design dominique montaigne the intro was done by scarlet fox and I am just grateful to be creating and editing this podcast. My name is Andy Frazier. Find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at The Winter Faith Podcast. Subscribe, subscribe on all those platforms. And also we are on Patreon if you would like to support the show. And also leave a review on iTunes at The Winter Faith Podcast. Thanks for lift, listening and we will see you next week. Thank you.